Hey Star Wars fans, welcome to another episode of the Jedi Council podcast and you guys are in for a treat. We have got almost a full house, but not just a full house, we have also got a brand new addition to the council and I'm going to get to that in just a minute. But if this is the first time that you've joined us, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we're going to be here for the next hour, hour and a half-ish to talk about everything and anything Star Wars. If this is a returning listen, thank you very much for your loyalty, your friendship, your fellowship. Uh, we are glad that you keep coming back. It's why we do this. We do this for you guys. We are fans. You guys are fans. So hopefully we are doing something right to keep you coming back for more. But this would be a ridiculously boring and short podcast if I was not alone. Who am I with today? I am with five members of the Jedi Council podcast, uh, of the team even. And first and foremost, to my virtual top left-hand corner is my good buddy and brother in the force, Dave. Say hello, Dave. Hello, Dave. Hello, Dave. Welcome from the east coast of America, virtually, well, not virtually, literally thousands of miles away, is the first lady of the Jedi Council, Miss Mera Ranger. Say hello, Mera. Hello, Mera. Hello. And to my virtual south of the river, the rubbish side of London, uh, <laughs> we have Mr. Contrary himself, Alistair Clark. Say hello, Ali. My fellow Jedi Council, and can I say the Council is not quite in session yet. Not yet. And the reason why it is not, ladies and gentlemen, because, yes, uh, Mr. Lego himself cannot join us today. Uh, he has other uh, things to do, like build Lego, probably. Uh, but we do have the newest member of the Jedi Council with us today, making an introduction. You might have seen him reply to a few of our tweets as the Red Eye Jedi. But, of course, it is Justin. Say hello, Justin. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Madhouse. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Uh, so for the benefit of the listeners, uh, Justin has been interacting with us for a while. Uh, we actually worked together uh, a few years back, which is how we bonded over our Star Wars love, as it were. Um, I remember going over to L.A. So for those of you that can tell, obviously, uh, Justin's from America. He's on the, the West Coast over in the, the, the glimmer, the glitz of Los Angeles County area. Uh, you don't actually live in downtown L.A., do you? Uh, no, I actually live in Long Beach, which is a suburb of Los Angeles, so just south of the of what everybody thinks of when they think of L.A. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so Justin has been interacting with us for a while, and um, we kind of reached out. He's joined us as number six in the council. So, again, welcome. Uh, before, we get, before we get into the normal um, kind of agenda, which I'm going to hand over to Mr. Contrary himself for that, uh, Justin, just to give our listeners a bit of a taste, a bit of a flavour, uh, I'm dropping this on you now, completely unexpected, by the way. Um, give us a little flavour of how you found Star Wars, where your fandom came from, things like that. What do you like about the franchise? That could okay. probably be a podcast on its own, but nevertheless, just give a little bit of a taste. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, I, I like movies in general, so I was always just watching movies as a kid. And I actually watched uh, Return of the Jedi with my dad on TV when I was like, I don't know, God, man, I must have been like maybe seven or so. Um, and I was like, you know, this is pretty good. And my dad's like, oh, yeah, there's like two other ones. And I was like, oh, really? You know, and I kind of just, then I figured out I had seen the last one before the first one, which was, you know, not always the greatest way to see things. But I think I was young enough to not have fully comprehend the whole thing, you know, and stuff like that. So it was good to then watch everything in order. And then after that, you know, being at the time in the early, you know, mid 90s, there wasn't really much going on in terms of Star Wars other than, you know, the extended universe. So 
I, I dove heavily into reading the books and things like that, and some of the comics and things. And then I'd say it really lit up when they did the uh, when they did the newer versions of them. I know like there's hot controversy, but at least I got to see all three in, in theaters, you know. So I can say that I've seen every Star Wars movie in theaters now. So that's <laughs> kind of cool. Yeah. And then after that, you know, then they, they started all the other things. Clone Wars animated series and stuff, and I've always really liked anything and everything that's in the Star Wars. That is a great introduction, and, and one thing that always sticks in my mind when when we work together, we kind of bonded over the phone, obviously with the time difference between LA and London. And I came out to LA to do some work, and when I came to the office, we had a meeting, and you were sitting there, you had a pair of Star Wars vans on, and I thought this dude is for real, and like <laughs> this guy already, uh, and that, that always sticks in my mind after because that was the first time that we met. So yeah, it's good to have you with us. Um, I still have those shoes, by the way. Oh, there you go. Awesome. I have to take them out of rotation so they don't get too beat up. They're getting a little old now. They're getting a little old. It's funny because I saw those particular vans and, and my wife said to me, if you bought them, would you wear them or would you leave them in a box in your geek room? <laughs> and I'm a bit like, oh, I don't know, actually. <laughs> I thought about buying two at the time and I kind of wish I had. That makes perfect sense. But yes, yeah. so thank you very much for joining us. Uh, and I am going to hand over to Mr. Contrary as he's taking the con, dare I say it, for this particular podcast. Yeah, you can call me the captain if you like. <laughs> that would work. I'd prefer captain not to. Contrary. So yeah, we're going to mix it up this week. And I'm not going to tell you the exact agenda at the beginning. At all. Oh, God, this is going to be fun, isn't it? Inclusive. So let's start off with Mera. Mera. Obviously this Monday, Star Wars Day, may the fourth be with you. What did you do? I worked and wore my Star Wars t-shirt and then I got, oh, that's not what you wanted to know. Um, I woke up saying, may the fourth be with you. Recorded a video and I watched, oh, okay. I celebrated. That's awesome. And so did you watch the Clone Wars? I know you had some technical difficulties I saw on Twitter. I did. I did finally get to watch it, and it was amazing. I actually watched it twice. We'll get to that a little bit later. But, Dave, did you do anything to celebrate the day especially? Did you buy anything new, for example? Mm, not on the day, did I? Did I? Oh, yes. Yes, I did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you buy so much stuff, you can't remember when you bought it. Mm. <laughs> no. <laughs> So, um, I had got on the Friday before the UCS A-Wing Lego set, um, which is which was which then arrived yesterday actually, um, and then on May the fourth, I got up early because we we um, Ali, Alex, myself, and William all watched uh, the Clone Wars together. Um, and I uh, bought a new helmet. Um, <laughs> new helmet, eh? <laughs> yes. Did your wife know that? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> can, can you go into detail what that helmet was? Um, it is a Phase 2 uh, clone, which is something I've been after for a while. Um, it's not a Rex one, which is the one I want. However, um, I don't, I've not spent a lot for it so i'm not certain upon the quality of what i will receive so my plan is 
to see what I get and then potentially try and turn it into a Captain Rex. Which is why I am now currently growing my white beard back. Awesome, awesome. And so, Alex, obviously our biggest Disney fan, I'd say, on the podcast. Probably. I think so, just about. And obviously it's the first year we've had Disney Plus in Star Wars. What did you think about what dropped on there on the day? I had a great day. Yeah, no, it was awesome. Um, So, yeah, obviously we did a recording for the Clone Wars. um, But, you know, same as Mera, I was kind of working uh, for the rest of the day. But then as soon as it got to 5.30, I watched the first episode of The Mandalorian Disney Gallery, I think it's called, isn't it? Disney Gallery, The the Mandalorian, which was absolutely eye-opening. It's interesting the way, and I don't know if this counts as a spoiler, it's a documentary, I don't know, but the way that the director's... Even though they were doing different episodes, they were always pretty much on set. It looks collectively during all the other episodes anyway. So that that was a really interesting thing to get an eye-opening view of, of what's on there. Uh, and I watched the first maybe hour and a half-ish of um, The Rise of Skywalker as well. So, yeah, I was delighted with everything that they've dropped uh, on Disney+. Plus. Um, this is a holiday weekend here in the UK, so I'm going to be watching a hell of a lot more of the new stuff that's been released about Star Wars uh, on Disney+, Plus as well. Awesome. So, Justin, have you had a chance to look at that documentary at all? So, no, I haven't had a chance to watch that just yet, but I did get caught up on the Clone Wars. I, like Mara and Alex, I was, uh, I was working most of the day, um, but immediately when I finished Clone Wars, I went and watched uh, Twilight of the Apprentice on Rebels to kind of get a comparison for that and to weigh it based on what I know now and it was kind of interesting and then I just decided I'd start going through the Clone Wars again chronologically. Cool I I think that's a really interesting way to do it now now it's complete and we know where it ends at last and so I think let's let's talk about the Clone Wars straight away so obviously um, hopefully you've all listened to our podcast by now and after watching it I was a little bit caught up, I suppose, in the negatives. But looking back at it, I think in total, it was a remarkable piece of cinema, really. I wouldn't even call it a TV series. I'd call it cinema. I'd say it's the most Star Wars, as I think of Star Wars, piece of content that I've seen since 2005. So I think it was it was very much on what I think Star Wars is like. and that's And so I wondered... Um, I actually tweeted Paul Bateman, who many of our followers probably know as a big commentator on Star Wars, obviously involved throughout lots of films. And he agreed with me. He said he said that, yes, it was the most Star Warsy thing since since uh, Disney took over. So let's start with you, Mera. What what were your impressions having watched it? I, I thought it was too short. But, you know, I. Yeah. All of them were too short. I just want more. Um, but I I liked the way that, um, well, I was a little on edge, you know. They're trying to, you know, shoot through all these clones that just have, you know, been given the Order 66. And I liked the tension of um, how she rescued Rex, in a manner of speaking, to, to, to remind him of, uh, you know, what was real, you know, um, very well done. I mean, the storytelling and, uh, I really want Dave Filoni to be writing a lot more stuff and and doing a lot more, um, I'll take anything at more animated or even live action 
Uh, can you imagine a live action Clone Wars? That would be great. Uh, something or other. Uh, I just, I loved it. I loved the way it ended. It was, uh, didn't need any uh, uh, dialogue. And I'm glad there wasn't any really. I mean, it was just powerful with the imagery and uh, how Dave finished it. It was just great. So, Justin, as you weren't on the podcast last time, what, what were your thoughts about it? How, what did you think worked for you? And what didn't? Um, yeah, for me, um, to a degree, uh, in the Ahsoka book, there's some bits where she's having, like, nightmares of the last bit, you know, that we see in that end of that episode. So, like, to a degree, I kind of have a sort of insight into what the final scene was kind of going to be. But to see the rest of it play out was very interesting. And I, for one, I, I wanted to ask you guys, because I, when I was watching it, I, I thought they would save more clones from the, the chip inhibitors. Because, um, you know, we see Rex with a few clones, you know, later in Rebels. So, you know, there's obviously more story there for Rex. So that'd be interesting to see, you know, some stuff like that and some things like that that would be, you know, I wish they kind of explored. But to me, it was just very breathtaking at the very end when they come to it and it's just all snowed over you know and just that stark contrast of Vader's silhouette against the background of all all of the things that happened and like you know I think I think to a degree you know him finding her lightsaber he knows she's not dead you know and I think that that's that's kind of interesting you know to from, from that aspect psychologically until they you know meet face to face again you know in, in what is Rebels. Sorry, spoiler alerts for lots of things there. I apologize. I probably should have said that to start with. <laughs> Not at all. Gotta get used to this. Yeah, so, so Alex, to take that, that point about clones, did it go the way you expected as well? Because I think you've read the same books and comics, haven't you? So you, you kind of had a bit of idea of what might happen. Yeah, well, yeah, but, yeah, but no. Um, <clears throat> so what I mean by that is that after we kind of watched it, exchanged a few messages with Justin as well, and obviously mentioning around the way that the Ahsoka book has been positioned. And oddly enough, the other day I went for a run and I was listening to the podcast that we did before that, um, where Ali, you made the comment of, I can't remember what the actual conversation was around, but it was around how Disney retcon things by throwing a character in a book. I think it was, I was talking about the Bad Batch. That's it. Yeah. So we were talking about the Bad Batch and you were saying how, Disney will probably find a way to bring the Bad Batch into future episodes or retcon something in a book and then drop it, drop it in. And interestingly enough, with the Ahsoka book, after our conversation, I grabbed it the other day, and the opening paragraph, a couple of paragraphs effectively, describes the end of the Clone Wars from her perspective. And it's completely different to right. what we see on TV. So in the book, it details that Rex and um, Ahsoka are still on Mandalore at the point at the end of the Clone Wars. It also says that Rex's inhibitor chip, and this is also mentioned in Rebels, gets taken out before the Order 66 is executed. Mm. So obviously that was established in Rebels. We've then got the Ahsoka book saying that they were still on Mandalore, and we've got the Clone Wars being completely different as well. Now, it didn't take me away from any part of the episode because it was just superbly done. The cinematography was brilliant. The, again, to echo Mera's point, the fact that the, there was not a lot of words, maybe for the last 10, maybe 15 minutes, there wasn't a lot of dialogue, but there didn't need to be. There was a bit of action, absolutely, when you know when we saw the, the uh, starship go down, but nevertheless, the way that they positioned it didn't take it out for me, because when I started reading the Ahsoka book, I was like, well, 
I quite, I quite liked the way that that, that happened. Uh, one thing that I would have liked to have seen that is detailed in the book is that there's actually a fake grave of Rex. So they have a fake grave on Mandalore to say that he was killed. Um, but prior to that, there is a report detailed from Rex to Coruscant that he had killed Ahsoka. So that's all in the Ahsoka book. But obviously we don't see that in the Clone Wars, but I, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, the whole episode... Did not expect to see Darth Vader, not going to lie. Didn't expect to see him or, you know, the original trilogy Stormtroopers either. I thought the way that they looked in Clone Wars was spot on, as you'd expect. Uh, so, yeah, I think that, that for me, it was, yeah, it was a home run, for want of a better word. Okay. Dave, anything you want to add to that? I, I am surprised, just to echo uh, both Justin and... Alex, with the fact that th there has almost been a continuity error there. Now, I know that Star Wars does have continuity errors, but that's been more to do with the fact that the original trilogy was pulled together when it was pulled together. No one expected it to become the, the global success it became. They then went backwards to try and create the stories that came before. And I guess just because you're looking at a 20-year hiatus between the two sets of stories. The, there was a slight tonal change in how they were going to handle things. And so there, there ended up being some differences between what was said in the original trilogy and then the sequel, uh, the prequel trilogy. Um, but broadly speaking, the stories were con didn't really disagree with each other, if that makes sense. So what I did find strange is that to, to to as Justin said, the fact that you come across Rex on uh, in Rebels with Commander Wolf and Gregor, and it, they they say at the time that they'd removed the chips, that they never turned on their Jedi. Um, now, obviously, we see that Rex did. Um, Plo Koon is the is the general that would have been with Wolf and Plo Koon is killed in a space battle he's, he's, he's turned on by his fighters so you have got the fact that Commander Wolf wouldn't have been there at that point so I guess that allows you to escape the problem that Wolf didn't turn on his general uh, and I don't know about Greg uh, however it does mean that there is a, a big continuity that is a big for me that is a big continuity slip there the fact that we know for a fact now well we do, do we um, um we know that one set of cartoons one set of animation rex turns on his jedi and only because um ahsoka is able to remove the extractor the, the extract the chip that he's turned around however the book disagrees again with both to some extent so you've got that for me that's quite a big continuity hole so, so justin for you was that continuity an error for you that you were kind of trying to work out what, what do you think about that yeah i mean like for one yeah i mean there's i completely forgot about the part where they had even said that they hadn't turned on their their jedi and i guess to a degree you can i mean rex did but then was turned back so i guess you can kind of slide that but um as Alex pointed out with the book, like 
I couldn't quite remember the exact details of the book, so I'm glad you went back and read it. But I also had kind of remembered that it kind of didn't line up with what we saw. So, and as, as you guys said, like then you have the other thing with you know, the, in there Rex being having his inhibitor chip removed before. So it sounds like they got some way they need to kind of fix that. So there is definitely a hole there. But I mean, they also non-canonized all of my EU stuff. So. My head cannon is what it is at this point. So I just make it up and make it work in my head. <laughs> Fair enough. Merit, a lot of people have commented that in Anakin's journey to becoming Darth Vader, he, as it turns out, lost three very critical women in his life. Shimmy Skywalker. <laughs> yeah, guys, Shimmy Skywalker. <laughs> For anyone who's not listened before, I may have accidentally said Shimmy instead of Shimmy once, and so it's now becoming a thing. So he obviously lost Shimmy. Lost Padme, and it turns out he thinks that he's lost Ahsoka at the end. He doesn't know if he's, she's alive or not. All he finds is a lightsaber, a Darth Vader. Now that we've seen this, I think one of the problems I've always had with Anakin's journey into Darth Vader was that it seemed relatively quick. In that, yes, he had a loss in his mother and then Padme as well, but it didn't seem to me to be enough to turn around and kill a load of younglings the way that he did. We now know that the loss was even greater. What do you think about these three female characters and, and the loss that Anakin must have felt around that? Uh, well, I mean, his whole objective uh, was obsession to save Padme because of his mother. And the, you know, in hindsight, should he have ever left or should have Shmi gone with him? Um, I think that it... Uh, he, I think he needed Shmi, and uh, actually I don't think it would have been a bad idea to have her nearby, um, but it didn't happen that way. So there's a loss of, as a child, you've got this separation, which is traumatic, if that's all you've ever had. And then he goes to save her, um, and then she dies in his arms. I mean, right there, that is compounded of the missing and the, now there's a loss of a connection. So then what does he do? He goes to Padme, who he falls in love with and unbeknownst to him at the time. Well, no, he got pregnant, unbeknownst to him. Um, it, you know, and then the dreams and the like, no, it's not going to happen again. And then he gets obsessive. And I can see where all of this is just building up in him. So for me, I mean, the movie, yes, was a little bit quick, but it's been churning inside him all this time that you know he is going to do anything to save Padme at any cost even if it's killing younglings he's not seeing it as you know i mean yes it is a, at war with him and he struggles with it and the good in him it, it uh, abhors that but the younglings are not as important as Padme's life so yes it made sense to me that he would go to the dark side and then when he finds out that you know Padme is dead there 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 is no hope and of course now that we know this um so he doesn't care so he goes and dives deeper into the dark side and he just gives himself completely because what's the sense of living he thinks his child is dead at this point there's there's no way to 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 save him anymore so he's just you know going to give in to palpatine's abuse and you know use of him and and knowing that we know with ahsoka 
just even adds more on that of her decision of, you know, I am not a Jedi because it's this wars with me the way this has happened and it's not right. And so he's also got this other loss before the Padme of, you know, uh, somebody he mentored and there she goes. She's walking away from it. And just this culmination, it just yeah, it weaves into everything that has pushed him to the it's all gone. It's meaningless. There is no hope. I'm not going to do this anymore. And I'm going to do what I can do. And I'm going to put my vengeance out anyway. And we see the fierceness of that in Rogue One at the end, which uh, there's no mercy. There's no, there's nothing. Because he has nothing left until Luke. Yeah. And so, Alex, to, to take that on further, I've seen some criticism online previously of Darth Vader as a character in terms of the Rebel series have made him less of the all-powerful Sith Lord. He's he's let people escape. Do you think that when you saw those last few moments in Clone Wars, did you feel sad for him for his loss? Or did you think this was the character that we always knew? Um, <clears throat> good question. It's, it's a funny one because where you read, or where I've read anyway, some of the Marvel comics... Um, <clears throat> the deep dive into the struggle he has in the first few years of being Darth Vader. Um, there's been a couple of novels written as well, um, Sith Master and Apprentice, I think it is, where we see, or Masters of the Sith or something like that. Um, you're on mute, Dave, if you're trying to answer me. <laughs> Lords of the Sith. Lords of the Sith, thank you, yeah. Yeah, so in there you, you, you get this struggle on the page as to what he's going through. So that has always been clear to me anyway. And even before the comics, even before the books, there was that struggle that he's always had as Anakin, even before becoming Vader. And he very simplistically made the choice to become Vader based on his perception that he can save Padme. Uh, it's not as clean cut as that, but effectively it kind of is. Um, so seeing him with that struggle, we know he has attachment. He's been through, to your point, his mother, Padme, Ahsoka. He attaches himself even to Obi-Wan to a certain extent. Um, there is an, a level of attachment he has in people. And if you can't escape that when, dare I say it, when things happen, you know, it affects you. And that's obviously going to happen with him. And I think for me, Vader is, he's a messed up man. I think that's the easiest way to describe it. He's got... There's a lot of good in him as well, which I think doesn't help the conflict that he goes through. And we see the ultimate conclusion of that goodness in Return of the Jedi. But but ultimately, because there is this level of power, this level of frustration, we know that he is this absolute monster. And, I, you know, your point about Rebels is interesting. I I don't tend to agree with that. I think it's the first couple of episodes in is it season two when he first comes in, maybe season three, um, season two. And effectively... There's the opening scene is like, he has like an ATST just fall on him, and then all of a sudden we just see him stopping it. It brings out this amazing uh, feat of force ability to make make us realise nah, you can't mess around with Darth Vader. And then obviously to to Mera's point around Rogue One, that ultimate scene that we've obviously seen as him being this mental individual who can basically create carnage um, out of nothing. So yeah, I. You know, for me, Vader's Vader, and I don't, I don't see him as being a weak character. I don't see the conflict he's going through as a sign of weakness. I mean, you know, he even probably says it himself, it actually makes him stronger. Yeah. So on that point, 
of conflict that you've just made in the sequel trilogy obviously one of the main themes is that conflict in kylo ren <clears throat> in the dark starting yeah. with what was he going to do with his dad and, and as we know how it how it ends up with han solo so do you think actually perhaps we, we knew there was conflict in vader because of the way the films resolved itself but do you think that what the Clone Wars introduced, and this is an open question to anyone, is do you think it introduced more to that character of there was a conflict going from the from the very first moment he became Vader? It wasn't just straight away, I'm Sith. It was always there. And when he looked at Ahsoka's lightsaber, that we know that he modified, because that was made clear in the episode, and he had an attachment to that and to her, I, I kind of felt that that showed him in a slightly different light to what I had perceived him to be straight after episode um, six what, what do you think perhaps Dave and Justin could answer that I, for me it's it's a strange one just because I agree with everything that's been said so far to, to be honest the fact that we had seen Vader go through a lot of trauma or, or Anakin go through a lot of trauma beforehand um, and what's been good about the Clone Wars all seven seasons is the fact that it's 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 shown how he's been tempted by elements of the dark, plus such as when the, the Mortis trilogy especially. So it's not for me. It's 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 made it look like there's been less of that immediate descent into darkness, if that makes sense. I don't know if that's the, that, the way no, you feel as well. To me, that, that that's exactly how I yeah. see it, Dave, and I think that's not something I'd, I'd considered before. So Justin, Justin, just to take that point further, how... Yeah, that was gonna be what I would say too, is that one, we've seen the descent, and also I think, you know, going back to what you were saying about his reaction to the lightsaber and not, and maybe as the character Darth Vader being weak, I don't know, I think that those emotions and that rage makes him that much stronger, you know what I mean? Like, I think to a degree, it's one, like you guys have said before too, it's one more example of a loss, something he failed at, something, he wasn't able to stop him for Anakin. It is about control hmm. or Darth Vader in this instance. So, you know, for me, I think, I think, I think it creates a better dimension to the character rather than cheapening what was already there. You know, I mean, it's great to think of it. I mean, obviously we've seen his power. You yeah. could, there's no denying that Darth Vader could crush a small army by himself. Right. I mean, yeah, we've seen it in the comics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Vader down is just, uh, I might, we're going off on a tangent, but Vader down. It's sublime. Sublime. Yeah. It really is. Alex, do Alex, you agree with that? Yes, I do. But no, the reason, so the, the scene in Vader down, and again, I know we're going off on a tangent, but that's what we do best. I think we, uh, maybe about a year, 18 months or so ago, we did a podcast where I, swear, I think we talked about our top 10 favorite moments in Star Wars. Or, or something like that. It's been like and, two years ago to celebrate May the 4th. Jesus, yeah. wept. two Cali years ago. I was in California for it. That's how I remember it, because I didn't do it. Wow, two there you go. There you go. So when we did wow. that, I think one of the only moments from, not in the movie, was from the Vader Down comic. And I think that that just emphasised the, the absolute nature of the man. So, Dave, I agree with you 100% in that, and that is going off topic a little bit, but it is very relevant because it just emphasises 
it's how how he is as an individual. Um, but he's also portrayed that way in the comics just to show his complete brutality of a man. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's the line, isn't it? Um, where uh, the rebels are surrounding him, and they say, "You are surrounded," and his response is, "All am I all I am surrounded by is dead men." Yeah, <laughs> and fear. <laughs> it's it, it's, <laughs> it's funny with that particular scene, like when you think of the. I think it was the first episode of the Clone Wars where Anakin rescues Obi-Wan um, and he's dodging the blaster bolts in this recent run. He, the, the arrogance of him just basically glancing yeah. to the left to move out of the way of the bolts. And then yeah. obviously we see him in Rogue One, his complete you know, confidence in himself to just take on all these rebels with the guns and whatnot, blasters and whatnot. And then in that, that particular scene, or panel actually within the comic, just paints exactly the same picture. When he turns it on, he turns it on, basically. One, one thing that I saw as a very close synergy to that was the opening um, movie double of um, Rebels. Because when Kanan announces to the world that he's a Jedi, and again, it's, it's a case of the, the Rebels are there, they're hiding, for people who've not seen it, they're hiding behind these... Um, these crates whilst a, a bunch of stormtroopers are laying down fire and the zeb him and zeb are having a, a discussion do i do it now is, is it is, are we going to do it and um um ezra is asking what's the, what's the secret what's the secret and kanan literally stands up assembling a lightsaber and it, it's like kid everyone's gonna know and he's there he's, he's doing the same his head is like turning to one side as he's dodging bolts whilst assembling his lightsaber for me that was just such a fantastic because you, you i'm going again going completely off topic here it was so good because you had this massive the jedi are gone the jedi are no more they're all in hiding you'd seen the hologram of, of obi-wan kenobi giving the message to the Jedi, now is not our time, we must go into hiding, we must await a better time in the future. So to see Kanan re-embody becoming a Jedi, that was a massively emotional scene, but it really harks back now to this Clone Wars scene from a very different perspective. It, It doesn't have the arrogance of the Anakin. It's almost like the resignation that I'm going to have to pick up the mantle once more. Yeah, so, so Mera, to, to take that further, um, did you think that really, when we saw that scene that Alex and Dan were talking about, that's really a different Anakin to what we'd seen previously in the Clone Wars, and one that had become so self-assured and confident of his abilities, that it was really showing that he was starting to define himself differently as a Jedi to the other ones. What, what do you feel about that? Okay, so that my answer, yes, yes. Yes, I do think that. And why do you think that? I don't know. I love the, um, well, I shouldn't say I love it, but there's a change over him. There's, um, I don't know. I think um, I always thought that Ahsoka's leaving was just another jarring thing for him that it's he's not agreeing with the Jedi Council and they're asking him to do things that he doesn't want to do and you know it's it's 
well, you told me that the Jedi was this way, and yet you're asking me to do this. Is this not the Jedi way? And, you know, it just, um, I, I, I do. Yeah. I see that. I that and, and to take that Jedi waypoint, um, Justin, what do you think about Mace Windu as a character following the, this arc of the Clone Wars? I think it's interesting kind of what they've done with that because, and, and, and to step back even a little bit further, just, just from a whole, how you can see more of the arrogance of the council. Cause I think in the movies, it was always to me like, how could they not realize that this dude is like the dark side of the force? Like how, you're standing in the same room, you're Yoda, you're Mace Windu and you're the council and none of you fools can tell, you know? But I think yeah. Clone Wars has done a fantastic job of, you know, explaining how they in themselves have become somewhat arrogant of their position and living in their gilded palaces and have somewhat lost connection with who and what their mission was for centuries, you know? And I, I again, I think it's just a, another great example of how this series has really rounded out the, the, the original prequel trilogy sequel trilogy excuse me but um, you know I, I i think that i think that mace like for one like when he you know when when she says i caught mall you know like going back to the to, to where we started you know and they say you know as a jedi or as a citizen you know and she says as a citizen like mace windu took that yeah pardon, pardon my french He, he, he took that personally, you know, and it's, it's interesting because, you know, Jedi aren't supposed to be attached, but you can see that they're ruled by their emotions by the end. And so the fall doesn't necessarily come as much of a shock once you watch Revenge of the Sith, you know. Okay. I have a couple of additional questions for you, but then I want to ask Dave about Mace Windu, because I think a lot of people have said that he is now the worst Jedi ever. I don't want to talk about that. But, nope, he's but, not. How do you feel, Justin, about the fact that had Ahsoka, when she was talking to Darth Maul, or I suppose just Maul at this point, if, if he, he'd just gone one step further and said, he is Darth Sidious, he is Emperor Palpatine, the Clone Wars would have been completely different and she would have joined him. Why do you think he didn't tell her that simple extra piece of information that would have changed the entire history? Um... I don't know. That's a good question. I hadn't, I hadn't really thought of that, but the only thing I can think of off, off the, off the heel is that like to a degree, he wants to manipulate her into making that choice and making her feel like it was her choice, not necessarily backing her into a corner where she can't get out and makes that choice. I think, I think that is inherent of how the dark side ensnares people. They make you think that it was your idea all along. Okay. So I'll open that up to everyone else just quickly before I ask Dave about Mace Windu. Do, does anyone else have any opinion on why he didn't just go that one step further and that would have made sure that she joined him? Was it just more being more and being selective with what he tells people? Information is power. Right. Yeah, I think, that, I think that's a fair point. And so to, to go on to Mace Windu, worst Jedi ever? No, no. <laughs> I think... I, I, trying to think where i'd read this but something that i'd read at one point was implying that mace windu had always battled with the dark side which is why his lightsaber was the color it was it was neither blue nor red it was somewhere in the middle 
and he's he, he was also described as being an aggressive fighter and one of the best when it came to combat. And again, they're, they're all, when you think about it, traits which would lend themselves more towards a Sith than a Jedi. One thing, one part of the, the Clone Wars Season 7 that I really enjoyed was you seeing Mace Windu in the Bad Batch announce to the droid army that would be for him, I have killed... 30,000 droids during this war. <laughs> so I am giving you all now the chance to surrender. And, and and it was almost like that, That in a way, was also a callback for me to the original Clone War cartoons where we saw Mace Windu rip an army to pieces all on his own. And it was a very aggressive battle. Uh, it, it wasn't a clean lightsaber duel style battle it was brutal it was it was literally hand to metal style battle so i think to to go back to your question i don't think mace windu was the worst jedi i think he he had succumbed over the three years of the clone wars to the darker side of his own personality He'd become more arrogant. He'd become more glorified in the battle itself and leading armies and and being a warrior. So maybe he had he'd started his own path down the dark side. Interesting, interesting. Alex, have you like Mace Windu as a character, don't you? Yeah. Um and to preempt the answer to your question, no, I do not think he's the worst Jedi. Um, I, will ma- I, I will maintain that as Kiadi Mundi. Um, yes. <laughs> for reasons we have dis- we've gone through on previous uh, podcasts. But nevertheless, in, in relation to this, there's two things to consider. There's taking a step away from Mace, but going to the point around Jedi's being soldiers and warriors. Ahsoka says it herself. Um, she said, well, she's speaking to Rex when they're at the front of the Star Destroyer going through hyperspace. Basically turns around and says, um, for years I thought Jedi's, well, I can't remember if she said that they were guardians of peace, but I've been a captain or a commander for my whole life of the Clone Wars, or words to that effect. Yeah. yeah. Basically painting the picture that a Jedi is now not a guardian of peace of the galaxy, but a captain leading people into war, which kind of ties into today's point there about Mace Windu. And the other thing to mention, now I don't know if this is still the canon perception, so in the EU, one of the most well-known and well-loved books about Mace Windu is Shatterpoint. Um, throughout the whole of Mace Windu's life, as, as we know it, he has been known to find the Shatterpoint. His, his, one of his false abilities was to find the Shatterpoint in a piece of material, whether that be glass, metal, whatever. So he could put his hand on a pane of glass, find the Shatterpoint to then shatter it. And that's kind of used as a perception of what he can do with other Jedi. He can find the, the shatter point or breaking point within individuals. So one of the most famous things is that, ironically, Anakin was his shatter point. Anakin questioned him, pushed him, and to not necessarily put him to the point of breaking, but effectively, when we see the way it was positioned in Revenge of the Sith, it was his shatter point because Anakin ultimately stopped him from killing Palpatine and that's the reason why Mace Windu died. Um, but where I'm going with this is that when you think of Mace Windu as a character, he he's probably feeling himself as being in the position that he has to take the lead. Is he as powerful as Yoda? No. But he's the, 
think he's the second most powerful Jedi in the room at that point in time or <clears throat> some something like that. So he's probably found himself in a position where him and Yoda differ on a couple of things and to the point where he's like, well, you know what? We need to just deal with this war, get the war over. We'll take down Palpatine and everything will be okay. Because that's probably his mindset of today's point. He deals with stuff by being relatively aggressive. Interesting. Interesting. Um, so if we look at this, I think, I think we've talked about quite a few of the major points in the last episode. So if we take this arc in total, what do you think were the main highlights in it for you, Dave? Oh, there's so many. Generally, I do mean that. That's not just a cop-out. Um, I love the battle on on Mandalore. I love that just because it, it set up what was going to happen and put all the pieces together, if that makes sense. That allowed you to then take the story forward. Um, the highlight. The highlight was also the saddest point for me which was it was it was it was when jesse and all the clone troopers are lined up to deny ahsoka and rex and the the only thought that kept going through my head is a good trooper follows orders yeah and it's 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 the saddest point because it turned the clones into the unthinking automata that that the, the separatists had always used in battle and it stopped them being people they, <clears> they became what they'd fought for three years and for me that was the saddest moment but but so well done yeah. <laughs> amazingly well done interesting and so for you justin if you had to pick a, a real highlight what would it have been uh, my highlight is more just, I mean, we've seen it throughout the Clone Wars, you know, we we see in the Clone Wars movie, we see Ahsoka, you know, starting her journey. So to see this final arc and to see her really come into her own, and we've seen her come into her own quite a few different phases throughout her life when she first commands in battle and things like that, you know. And it, when I first saw her in the movie, I thought she was an annoying character. I just didn't think it was that great of a character. And then I was like, they're going to base the whole show around this, so maybe I'll give it a go. And I now love it. So to me, it was great to really see her come into her own, you know, lead people. She chose to leave the Jedi Order. She stuck to that because of her beliefs, and she wasn't, you know, corrupted by that. So, and to watch her just go full tilt and not, and be able to restrain. I mean, she could have killed everybody on that Star Destroyer. Yeah. Or if it, I mean, maybe it's not a Star Destroyer at that point. I don't know. The, the Starship. She could have killed all Jedi, Jedi cruisers, weren't they? Yeah, Jedi cruiser, basically. She could have killed everybody on, I think, you know, given given that if she wanted to, you know, and the, her ability to withhold that restraint. I mean, her just on that, that table, blocking all those bolts, looking for an exit. I think it just really summed it up. And I just, I like that she had the Mandalorian thing on her head by then because I felt that she had found another place, you know, in the galaxy that was, that fit towards her morals a little bit better. So for me, it was just a combination of those things and really seeing Ahsoka become a, a, you know, a person. Okay, that's really, really cool. Alex, same question to you. What was your highlight? And if it does involve Darth Maul, I'm going to be shocked. <laughs> well, funnily enough, um... I, I I have three highlights. Okay, good. So the first one is it does involve 
multiple, but more to the fact that it's the, the mocap they use for the fight between him and Ahsoka. When you watch that fight, it is literally Ray Park. And yes, we know he, he dressed up, he did the mocap and whatnot. But when you watch it, um, I was thinking it's, it feels like an actual movie. Yeah. So for me, that, that was the first highlight. The second highlight was watching Maul take down that um, room with the engines on yeah. the Jedi Star Destroyer, whatever you want to call it. Um, the, the raw force power of him basically just pulling everything apart just mm-hmm. blew me away. But then the third one was the, well, again, funnily enough, is the Darth Maul, Darth Vader scene where it mimics Rogue One. And I, I just I just thought this this is absolutely incredible. The way he was just without a lightsaber as well. He beat Darth Vader. Darth Vader did that with a lightsaber. That's cheating. Um, in comparison to Maul, where Maul was basically utilizing the force to use the, the wall panels as shields, and also to cut people in half and cut their head off and yeah. everything. Like that. that scene for me, it's, it's weird that the scene where people, a lot of people die is a highlight. I don't know if that says more about me than anything else. No, it makes but, sense because if you, if you think about it, a couple of podcasts ago, we were talking about the fact that maybe Disney had taken out some of the more tonally gruesome parts of episodes. Yeah. I think that's about as dark as I've ever seen an animated show ever, just from the way that, Arms were coming off, and he was mm-hmm. using communicator on the arms. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there was a couple of decapitations in there. There was. You saw helmets roll on the floor. Yeah, yeah. And that, that, for I think, me, that was top notch. Yeah, I think I think of all the things you can accuse the Disney era of, I don't think you can say that they shied away from the gruesome scene when it mattered. Absolutely. But is that because of Dave Filoni more than it is of anything else? Uh, well, we, we know he can't be trusted with continuity anymore, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to get him on a podcast and you say that to his face. No problem. <laughs> I was going to do a new voice voice then. And I realise we'll probably definitely never get him on a podcast. <laughs> so, Mera. <laughs> Mera, same question to you. What was your highlight in the in the arc? Um, well, I have to, uh, go with Alex's mall, uh, doing all that without a lightsaber. I thought that was excellent. I'm just like, okay, so what's going to happen? I love, um, which is my probably more favorite is Ahsoka, Ahsoka's growth and her assurance and her like, um, I love the way she stands up for herself and I loved the way that she stood her ground. And when, you know, Maul's like, well, you know, you're going to give me a lightsaber and, and she's like, no. no. <laughs> and I, and I love that because, you know, she's holding her ground, she's standing and she's just this wonderful, um, uh, well, she says she's not a Jedi, but um, she is, she is to me uh, a Jedi. And in every way she has, you know, what she's chosen, how she's grown, how she's, you know, determined to be that light side 100%. And um, and I loved it. I loved seeing that. But then, you know, of course, my second one is Maul just, okay, uh, how am I going to do this? And he figures it out and he, it's just masterful. It was it was awesome. And, and how he did uh, just destroy the ship with that. It, I'm like... <laughs> Holy cannoli. I had to watch it twice. It was really, really awesome. 
So to go back to the um, Ahsoka point, I've seen a lot of people say that obviously she's been called Ahsoka the White following Rebels and things like that. Do you think that was? I know you said that you thought she was she was a Jedi, but do you think you saw elements of that change Jedi, that sort of mutated Jedi? I don't want to say grey Jedi, but I've seen it put out there in a number of places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that. Bit of foreshadowing with her outfit. So, hi, honey, how are you? Um, more editing. I'm being recorded here. Hi, Kelly. <laughs> She's gorgeous. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think that's kind of neat. Bring me a gray Jedi. I know people are kind of anti that, but I'm like, why aren't there? Why can't there be? I think that would be very interesting. And it seemed foreshadowing in her coat or her cape and or whatever. So, yeah, so, Justin, as as the newcomer to the council you've not had an opinion on gray jedi yet <laughs> what do you think uh, yeah um i think it's like anything i mean obviously if you can have a light and a dark you gotta have a middle yeah it's like any it's like any ideology there's gonna be a spectrum yeah i yeah. thought that spectrum was was the contrast of it was really well done in that last episode dave did you see any elements of gray jedi there well no I don't actually. Um, to be contrary, <laughs> I don't see. I don't see Ahsoka as being a great Jedi. Okay. She sides with the light. If anything, she becomes purer than the Jedi Council at this point. She still sees the mm -hmm. Jedi as they were established to be, which was to be peacekeepers, to only fight when they have to, to not take lives. She sees it as a case of defending the weak, um, protecting the innocent. And for all the, the faults of the Martinez arc of the, this, this season, the, I, I think the idea of that was to try and teach her what right and wrong is again. Because while she'd become this, this Jedi general, she'd, lost, she'd become grey at that point. They were taking lies when they didn't need to. They were making, they were drawing out the wall longer than it should have been because they had lost their way. So for me, Ahsoka in this, this final arc, and especially in this final episode, demonstrates the fact that she is the only Jedi still standing. Um, and she isn't treading the great path. She, she is actually the purest of the pure. You go along with that, Alex? Yeah, literally. Yeah, no, I, it's funny. I was thinking exactly the same thing. The way when you think of the way the Jedi were at the end of Revenge of the Sith, they are, I mean, they even say it themselves, right? They say that they've been blinded by the dark side, they've been the dark side has been influencing decisions and, and clouding their judgment and whatnot. Yet, as soon as you see Ahsoka. I think where I don't know if this is because she's she's younger. I don't know. She hasn't been around the been around the bush, uh, you know, for want of a better word, uh, been around the block even because she's she's only been around since the Clone Wars started, right? Um, whereas Yoda, nine hundred years, Mace in his fifties, sixties, whatever, they've been around the council at points where they just thought they are the utmost pinnacle of. Force users, the most pinnacle of how a Jedi should be and whatnot. But ultimately, they've been blindsided by their own arrogance. Um, and I think we've touched on this before, but I completely agree. Whereas Ahsoka's stepped away. And I think as 
as not good as the arc with the the sisters was in season seven. They emphasised, even though Ahsoka doesn't see herself as a Jedi, her actions are acting the way a Jedi should behave, which I think yeah. says it more than the actual "I am a Jedi." You know, Kiadi Mundi's a Jedi, but the man was a complete idiot. Whereas Ahsoka wasn't a Jedi, but living the Jedi life, for want of a better word. Okay, that, that's an interesting take. And due to the fact we obviously don't have a, an affirmed agenda, um, I'd like to know what do you think, Dave, first, the legacy of Clone Wars is? Now that we've seen it come to an end, what do you can think I, the is? Can I ask a question first before yeah. we do that? To you, Ali, as you've not answered anything. Now, <laughs> on the podcast that we did where we did the wrap-up of the Bad Batch, that Ahsoka arc and the first, you said... You've had enough of Maul. There's too much more. We don't need any more Maul. Yeah. How do you feel now? I completely <laughs> stand by it. <gasps> I think that, yeah, we, I, he's a great character, really interesting. And I think, yeah, he was, he was very good in the episodes that we just saw. However, however, I, as I said that, I still think the amount of times that you have that mysterious scene of a guy in a cloak and a build-up and it's always more I think that's been overdone a little bit. I think it's a little bit played out, a little bit too repetitive. And I stand by my, my I stand by the criticism as well for the final episode of where I think the film was sorry, the last episode was too close to the film in that particular scene of the of the cruiser coming down to the planet. I think they could have been a bit more smarter and cleverer than they were. Um I, I know you always say, yeah, but Star Wars is full of repetition, and I get that, and it's good at points. But for me, I just feel like they could have been a bit smarter with that, and they didn't need to do that. And I just, I, I still think the weakest part of the entire art was the last episode, which is a shame. I, and I really think that. I think the first, I think the third episode in particular gave me knots in my stomach throughout it. The second one was incredibly exciting, and the first one I got to see the Clone Wars as I wanted to see it in season seven, which I hadn't necessarily seen up to that point. Does that answer your question, Alex? Well, I, I just, just as a devil's advocate for that, is that lack of passion, let's say, I'll use the term passion, in the final episode, because you already know the outcome. You know... Rex is going to survive. You know Ahsoka is going to survive. You know Maul is going to survive. And those are the three that that are the, the, what the story is about. So no matter how much of a challenge it is, no matter how much of a of threat there is to them, you know that all three survive. You know that all three survive with their limbs and with all their faculties. So you knew that they could never be injured. So does in a way is that is that in part why you didn't see yeah, I, see I think, I think you're right Dave I think I think that's definitely part of it because I think that's been my problem with the sequ- but yes and no so yes I think you're right but I think my problem with a lot of the sequel era of Disney and Star Wars has been far too much repetition of what I've seen before and I and I've been consistent in that it's why I, I've said several times to your point where we watched Rogue One last Saturday. It's objectively a decent film, but it just doesn't warm to me. I, I just don't know why. You were you were there. You could see my expression. I'm interested, but it just doesn't grab me. And I feel like as we've often, I don't want to go too much into the past. We're discussing the past. 
the films have been repetitions of things that we've seen again and again and again. Whereas if we look at 456, George Lucas' Star Wars, completely different to the originals. And George Lucas said that Star Wars should always be innovative and different. And I don't think we've seen enough of that. I felt like we were seeing some of that in um, the last few episodes of The Clone Wars up until the finale. But to everyone's point earlier, that Darth Vader scene at the end, when you look back at it and the impact of that scene in particular and how that changes my perception of Darth Vader as a character, it's a big payoff. So I, I understand what you're saying. I just feel the route to get there. I don't know. I just, okay, I think basically I hold Star Wars to an incredibly high standard in terms of innovation, creativity, and good storytelling. And I felt like we had that throughout the story at this arc, and I didn't get it in the last episode as much. Okay. Justin, do you want to come in on that? disagree with you, but okay. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, yeah, I disagree with you too, because it had to culminate somehow, and it's, it's the, you know, <laughs> it had to come together somehow, and there was always going to be that, you'd always, we, as you said, we know how it ends, so it's the journey, right, it's the adventure that we have yes. to, to tell, so, for me, you know, I enjoyed the, the thing, plus, like, I mean, you got to watch her, you know, jump out of a falling fucking starship. Well done, well done. I know what you wanted to say there. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, I don't know. It was very cinematic, you know. So for me, it was exciting. I liked it. And, you know, it, it makes me sad that it's over because I've enjoyed the seven, you know, seasons of it. Okay. I think I, I, know, I think it was at the beginning when, you know, there's that last scene where Ahsoka sees Anakin. And I'm like sitting on my couch and my wife's like, are you all right? And I was like, it's just it's like seven years. I'm like crying <laughs> a little bit. She's like, uh, okay. <laughs> she doesn't get it, you know, because she doesn't. She liked Rebels and stuff, but she doesn't like the Clone Wars, so she never really watched any of that. But she's just like, she's like, who would have thought you'd be so, so, you know, sad about all this? I was like, weren't you, Dave, in that last episode? But but it was it was this bit where the for me it was it was the destruction of everything the clones themselves. When when we'd seen, for instance, the Umbaran story arc. And we've seen the clones become less of numbers and less of cannon fodder. And the fact that they were thinking they were, they were people in their own right. And then as you go through the story, you, you, yes, they are, they are a, gr- a grown army. They're not naturally born. But that doesn't mean that they're not individuals. And as we've seen throughout the seven seasons of the Clone Wars, the clones have personalities. The Badge Batch being an alt, like an extreme version. But all the clones are individuals, which is why some of them shave their heads, some of them tattoo, some of them have piercings, and, and what have you. It's because each of the clone is a, clones. They may come from a base standard template, but they're all individuals. And so for me, it was the sadness that really got me at the end, where the someone had just turned the switch and just turned them into programmable droids with less 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 choice than C3PO and R2D2, less choice than the three droids that actually helped Ahsoka, who were then executed. <laughs> and, and for me, that was brutal. Yeah. 
Sorry, yeah. it was, it was, it was because it was an execution. <laughs> um, they may be droids, but the way that droids portrayed in in Star Wars is that they're people. They yeah. they've got personalities, they've got free will, and for me, the clones in that end piece, good troopers follow orders. Yeah, and that's that's what it was. Let's bring Mary in at that point as our resident droid expert and lover. Mary, how how did you respond to that scene, or indeed just the entire inclusion of the droids and the way and the way that they were in that last episode? I loved it. I think they took classes um, from R two D two. Obedience. Well, those are the droids that were on that mission, though, right? Those were the droids they used for the covert mission, and R2 was on that mission, so they very well could have learned from them. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Not that I needed that, but thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I loved it. Ahsoka trusted them. They were, you know, her heroes. They were. They were. I got a little reclumped because I'm just like, <laughs> but not so much if, if it wasn't R2. Anyway, um. No, seriously. It was, I loved it. I love that interaction. And I do think they went to R2 school and how to be droid heroes. Yeah, it was brutal, Dave. It was. You know, those clone troopers. And they're just, I'm just, yeah, so much, very sad. And what did you think about the droid that sounded a bit like Chopper? Did it end up being Chopper? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Bits of it might have ended up. Maybe. Well, Chopper was a bit. Yeah, I liked that. I really did. A little homage to him. So it was cute. Okay. Individual personalities of their own. Mm. And we've sort of been sidetracked there, unsurprisingly, for this podcast. But I did ask earlier, what do you think the legacy of Clone Wars is? And so for you, Mara, what 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 do you think of instantly when you think of and look back on these? Gosh, many, many years, 12 years nearly of Clone Wars. What do you think about? Um, that I was experiencing in more detail what Obi-Wan was telling Luke about in Star Wars. That he was, you know, in the Clone Wars and, uh, you know, just this quick seconds that we get in Obi-Wan's eyes just lived out and his experiences, like, uh, not quite like he was telling it, but I, I, it's broadened it and given so much more to their stories and the things that they went through and survived and the pain that they suffered for, you know, their own arrogance and uh you know just the unnecessary uh wars it just um it it really did define it and gave me so much more insight in just that moment okay interesting alex same question to you legacy of clone wars (laughs) i said to take myself off mute there um good question um, well, you know, I, I, we've had many a debate about Skywalker saga versus Palpatine saga. I think the Clone Wars is the Darth Maul saga. Let's get let's get that in the open. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Rebels to a certain extent, but anyway, no. Um, I think the 
the legacy for me is that there's a couple of things. There's what Clone Wars has done for animation in a, in a whole outside of the Star Wars universe. It's you know it, it moved animation forward so much. Um, and we made this comment on the last on one of the last shows where you know it was like a million and a half dollars per episode back in the day. Yet when Disney made the season seven, it was effectively like three times less or whatever it was um so the actual process of making the show has changed animation and cinematography and animation to a certain extent even further i think that's the first thing the other thing is around the actual storyline shows it's funny well i remember watching attack of the clones um when it first came out i was like okay this is interesting um it explains and links the stormtroopers I, i thought that was pretty cool but ultimately, the Stormtroopers were the bad guys. You know, from the original trilogy, the, the Stormtroopers are Vader's minions, for want of a better word. Um, yet, we are positioned where these troopers are effectively, to Dave's point earlier on, the humans, um, in, in, for want of a better word. We know that Rex, Rex was crying in, you know, in the last episode, you know. Um, and I think it just showed that war... Again, taking it to a real, real point of view, kind of war is terrible. You know, it destroyed so many people. It technically killed so many lives, even though they were clones and bred for war. They were still human. They were still people. They still died. Um, and yet, if you flip that to the real world, you know, more war and conflict is exactly the same. There are real people getting killed left, right, and center. Um, I think I took this way too deeper than I was expecting to go, but it, it's very true. Um, but I think overall for me, it's fabulous storytelling. It's a wonderful piece of Star Wars lore that has now ended, in my opinion, nicely. You know, when when Clone Wars was cancelled after season five when Disney took over, I think they realised that was a really bad idea, um, bringing it back. I know Re- Rebels was great, don't get me wrong, but it isn't Clone Wars, uh, in my opinion anyway. I'm sure there are people that differ, but um for me it was it's peak star wars animation it's peak star wars storytelling and weirdly enough when i watched the original trilogy and i hear um the voice of hayden christensen as anakin i think it's weird because i just think of matt lanta um (laughs) i really do and to a certain extent as well obi-wan kenobi when i hear ewan mcgregor that that's obviously him but i'm like no, James Arnold Taylor seems to be... It's weird the way it does that for me. And I know others may disagree, and that's fine. But Anakin in particular, but Obi-Wan every so often, it's like, no, no, no. We need to hear Matt Lantern as, as Anakin Skywalker. Okay, okay. So when when the Clone Wars film came out, the precursor to the series, I'm assuming we all went to the cinema to see it. And I remember... So I would have been 20-ish when it came out. And so... I took my little 10-year-old brother at the time and I made him go three times because I said that was the last time he was ever going to see Star Wars on a big screen. <laughs> I really thank Clone Wars because I don't think without it we'd be where we are right now in many ways. It was the bridge that kept Star Wars going and ultimately led to the Disney buy I'm sure Disney would have wanted to buy it anyway, but it showed it as a... As a there was a fan base there for Star Wars. And, and, a going concern. Exactly. And, you know, people were, yes, buying merchandise, maybe even more than they do now. But, um, but at the time, it was something that really kept it going. And it meant quite a lot to me. And I remember watching the, the film and thinking, 
what the heck is this? It just made absolutely no sense to me. But now I look back on that film and I look back on it very, very fondly. And, and that's partly because of the chronological point you made earlier, Justin, about being able to see how it all fitted in. Because even the first episode of Clone Wars wasn't exactly where I thought it would be. It was in the middle of the thing. I thought it would literally pick off from the film, but it didn't. So um, I, I think I think the impact on, on Clone Wars for me is, is that I'm not sure we'd be where we are today with theme parks, films every couple of years, books, comics, video games, everything, if the Clone Wars hadn't existed in the way that it did. So I think there's a big debt to be paid to it. Dave, legacy of Clone Wars. I agree with Alex in that we wouldn't see animation climb the heights it's climbed. And something that I'm noticing on Netflix, especially at the moment, is a number of more adult-themed animations that are coming through on Netflix at the moment. And I'm not saying that's directly linked to Clone Wars, but I would say that it shows that there is a more mature way, Western rather than Oriental anime, um, a more Western way of, of, of bringing animation to an audience. So I think Clone Wars has, has had a large hand in that to, to make that happen and make it more mainstream for adults rather than it just being something that kids watch. Um, but for, for me, the, the Clone Wars has always, and I've said this a few times now, the Clone Wars has always been a Soka story. We know what Anakin Skywalker's story is. We know what Obi-Wan's story is. For me, the Clone Wars has been a Soka story. And, and I would broaden that because of some of the fantastic arcs that you've had within the different seasons. It's also <laughs> the clones' story. It's the story of the clones themselves and what they were. So the, the legacy for me is the fact that we've finally understood what it meant to grow a, a, an army of millions of soldiers and what that does to warfare. But also, we've seen the maturity of, of Ahsoka go from a 12-year-old child to become a warrior queen. <laughs> um, can, I, can I ask an open question to everyone just, just at that point? What happens to that clone army afterwards? They age and die. <laughs> Well, they say in Rebels that they retired. They retired yes. in Rebels. They think they retired a lot of the clones after yeah. Order sixty six. They just retired them and put them out to pasture, basically. Yeah, yeah. You could probably use them as officers to train the stormtroopers. Right. But... Has that been explained anywhere, or, or am I thinking that 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 could be a piece yeah. of storyline? No. no. Because I find that kind of interesting. You have this huge army that's turned on the Jedi, and then. The next day, you obviously switch off all the droids because we see them in a future episode of Rebels where a few of them remain and have that little contest with Kanan and Ezra. But with the clones, and we know that, as you said, a few of them retire, but we don't know what happened. Was there? Did they literally just let them all go out there? Did they kill them? What happened? I kind of find that interesting. It would, it would make sense to use them as a bridge whilst they recruit yeah. stormtroopers. Because you've got a standing army. You just upgrade their armour, and whilst you're doing it, you replenish them with with regular 
uh, humans or, or human style troopers. But why wouldn't you keep the program going? That's the other thing I didn't. Never... Cost the cost. Because um, I, this is something that's mentioned in the um, Plagius stories, um, or the, the Plagius book, the Darth Plagius book, You've, which I know is no longer canon, but I would say it's still valid. From reading it now, it's still very valid with the story today. Um, and there's mention in that of the, the, the excessive cost of glowing, growing clones. You're paying the Kaminoans millions, if not billions, for your army. Whereas you can just recruit a normal person off the street, give them 10 weeks, 20 weeks basic training, and you've got a soldier. Yeah, I mean, As long as you, you keep your clones for, you, for your backbone of your army, whilst they develop experience. On, Sorry. The, um, on the StarWars.com website, all it literally just says is, after Order 66, the clones perished and were eventually replaced by stormtroopers that the Empire recruited from around the galaxy. I feel like there's a loose end there. It's a cost thing, isn't it? It's I feel like there's a TV show there. That's what I was thinking, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was thinking that as well. So, Justin, as the newest member of the council, I give to you the honour of the last considered thought on the Clone Wars for the council. Oh, that's, that's tall order. Um, I mean, I think everything everybody said is, is great, you know, from everything from the real world implications of animation and how it's pushed those things forward. And being a person who grew up on animations, I mean, I grew up on The Simpsons and Futurama and Family Guy and things like that. And I still watch those things as an adult, you know, on rerun. Yeah, I think it's currently the most watched thing on Disney Plus, The Simpsons. It's always... Oh, on, not, on the I, when it was on there, I was stoked. I, we started watching it at season one and we're all the way up to like 25 already. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> you know? So to me, animation's always had a dear spot in my heart. And I still, you know, I, I study animation in school. I do a lot of animation for like for my, my business adverts because everything's moving to motion. So, you know, it's it's great in the software packaging that they've created and stuff like that that's allowed it to be much more rapidly designed and stuff like that. But ultimately, for me, from a story perspective, I agree that it's an Ahsoka story and, and an Anakin and Obi-Wan story, but I also think it shows a great, and in hindsight of, of The Rise of Skywalker, it shows just how well Palpatine weaved everything together, right? I mean, you see perfect instances of it throughout where he had Anakin do a certain mission and put Padme in danger to, to you know, to see what that reaction would be, to, to start to lure him into the dark side. And I think, you know, one way, you know, one, one of the criticisms I remember from the, the, the prequel trilogy being is, is that, like, it's like, because some of my friends weren't as into Star Wars, you know. So by the third one, they were like, wait, isn't that this guy? And I was like, yeah. And they were like, but does that mean? And I, I had to explain it to them, you know. And I feel like with this, it does a good job of like, and I get it. You can't necessarily expect people to watch seven seasons or something to get the plot of a movie. So to a degree, I think it's great that it overall has made the Star Wars galaxy more robust it's created the ability for us to shoot off in different directions and not necessarily have a Skywalker saga because it's created so many planets for us to explore that have barely been explored just in some of the few things. So that, to me, is the legacy for, for the Clone Wars. Awesome. Okay. And so I want to touch on some, I would say, huge news 
from the Star Wars universe this week. And I'm pretty sure Alex isn't hosting today just so he can hear me butcher this name, which I'm about to try and say. And I think he's an amazing director. But <clears throat> Taiki Waititi, not bad, right? So he has announced as a director on the new Star Wars movie. And even though we really haven't had time to talk about it today, having seen him on the Mandalorian documentary, I'm not surprised that they've gone in this direction. There was also obviously some additional news that the Leslie Highland is making a new Star Wars Disney Plus series. Very little information on that at this point. We think it's going to be a very female-orientated show. That's the reason. Ahsoka. Uh, well... <laughs> it's possible, but they but they have said it could be a different character as well. So first of all, let let's talk about this, Dave. I'm going to start with you because what's happened to Ryan Johnson? <laughs> Hopefully, and uh, he's probably disappeared up his own backside. To be fair, um... get that out. <laughs> Your child's going to hear you say that, Dave. <laughs> um... Do you want to ask the question again? Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so, Ryan Johnson, is he still going to get a trilogy? I'm hoping not. I'm hoping not. I, I shared with all of us um, an article which I picked up at, at about 12, 24 hours ago by Sam Whitworth, um, where he was criticising Ryan Johnson. And his criticism so mirrored what we had said two years ago about the fact that he'd not done his homework. He didn't understand the legacy he was dealing with. He didn't understand the characters. Um, it's a visually attractive movie. And I think he goes as far as saying that um, if it wasn't a Star Wars movie, it would be an okay movie. It just, without the understanding and the knowledge of Star Wars, that's what detracted from the film. So... Have, have well you had done, well the... done, Sam. I appreciate it. I appreciate you joining us. <laughs> but Dave, have you had a chance to watch the Skywalker Legacy? It's, it's an extra on the on the Rise of Skywalker film. It's a two-hour documentary. Well, I think if you have a chance to watch that, it's it's really interesting watching how many of the other actors say it was good to be back with someone echoing that sort of sentiment. It was well, very interesting watching Daisy Ridley and Oscar yeah. and all of them saying. You know, they they keep saying it felt very different this time. Yes. Yeah. Um, it was it was very. You know, I almost enjoy the documentaries more than the films these days. Yeah. I think they're amazing. But Mark Hamill said this two years ago yeah. as well. He it was, was very critical, and he was all. It almost felt like he was gagged around the release of the movie, because he was very critical on the run up to the movie. He then went very quiet when the movie was out and then he became vocal again afterwards. So I, I do get the feeling that I, I know people have said, no, Mark Hamill wouldn't succumb to that. But I, no, I think he was leaned on and I think he was asked, come on, don't don't ruin this. So I think it's. Is it good? I think it's good that people are now being more honest about. Yeah. Ryan Johnson yeah. and his approach to making a Star Wars movie. And I'm sorry to all the fans of Ryan Johnson and I'm sorry to everybody that adores him. He's a good movie director. I'm not saying he's not, but he's an absolutely atrocious Star Wars movie director. And so for me, he should never touch another Star Wars movie. 
So, Alex, as as our big Marvel fan, comic reader of Marvel, you might be as well, Justin. I'm not sure, but um, rumored, of course, that this be, could be Kevin Feige's film. Hasn't been mentioned about who's producing this. What do you think about the idea of really a Marvel takeover of Star Wars? Well. Let, 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 let's be clear, we're not going to start seeing the Hulk turn up and having a fight with Yoda, are we? Let's be honest. So it's not going to be a Marvel takeover per se, but... Half uh, human. <laughs> uh, I think Yoda can take... It'll be a big, anyway. green, a big green Yoda. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Very good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I think, I think it's good. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed Thor Ragnarok. Um, that obviously... He did. Uh, I'm not even going to bother trying to announce his name because I'll probably butcher it as well. Um, but Taika Ty, Ty, no, Ty, Waititi, um, yeah, he did a great job with Thor Ragnarok. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing the new Thor Love and War, whatever it's called. Love, thank you. Oh, thunder. Yeah. yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, personally, to see if he does go down the path of what they're saying he is and where Jane becomes Thor. But, I'm, I'm, but that's a very different podcast entirely um so i i'm looking forward to it. he i don't know he's got something about him in the way he does his movies that we all know the the comedy in star wars is on point apart from the last jedi and i won't go down that if you want to listen to hear our our um views on the forced comedy in that there are multiple podcasts about that but i think for me he gets it on the head um he also tells the story very well um, Thor Ragnarok is quite convoluted to a certain extent, but it's laid out and positioned in a, in a very easy way to follow. Um, and obviously, seeing what he's already done on The Mandalorian, the episodes that he did for The Mandalorian were, were absolutely brilliant. Um, so for me, yeah, I'm I'm very much looking forward to seeing him get the reins of a full-on 120 minute Star Wars movie. Take that Mandalorian point, just because I think you're the only one who's watched the documentary as well. I thought it was interesting the way that that documentary talked about his filmmaking techniques and mm. how he had been, uh, for his very first feature film, he'd taken props that were disused in Lord of the Rings to, to yeah. make the film. So he was very much someone who fought around problems creatively. I think he's a funny guy in himself, in just the characters he's, I've seen him do in film. Yeah, didn't did he, did he say on the documentary did stand-up at one point as well? Yeah. Um, yeah, and to echo your point, yeah, Sandy, you borrowed Elvias from the set of Lord of the Rings that weren't used uh, to use them as props. And this, that, and the other. So I think he's a very creative individual um, and seems to be very well appreciated within Lucasfilm. Otherwise, they wouldn't have given him this job, let's be honest. Yeah. And so, Mara, are you incredibly excited about this as well? Yeah, no, I like what he is. I don't know if I can really add to uh, what people are saying because i agree i agree with you guys i'm I'm looking forward to and now i'm gonna yeah go okay justin mara head waving arms flailing wildly agrees (laughs) yeah i i agree and i think kevin feige has shown that he can put together a set of movies so i don't think we have anything to worry about there i think that's like as we've as you guys have discussed on podcasts in the past it seems like there was a bit of a miscommunication across the last three, so hopefully they don't have that problem moving forward if they get somebody at the helm who knows how to construct plots across 15 different movies over 10 years. Yeah. It's, it's, funny, it's funny you said that, Justin. The one thing that occurred to me is that when you think of the way that 
to take your point a bit further, the sequel trilogy had uh, obviously we know JJ, Ryan Johnson, JJ, there was no tying thing, even though there were different directors. Yet with The Mandalorian, we had six different directors, but you had Favreau and Filoni basically tying it all together. And it's having that central view, vision, story. If they do this in future Star Wars films, we are onto an absolute winner, but it's making sure that happens. But we were told that they were doing that. Yes, we were. We were, however, because I remember seeing, well, JJ was, was executive producer all the way through, and so he had a handle on it all the way through. But if that was the case, you wouldn't have so much, I wouldn't say retconning, in the last in in the rise of skywalker but there was a lot of going back and almost undoing some of the damage that had been done in it yeah i mean if you see star skywalker legacy you definitely see a point where they discuss where they came up with the idea of bringing palpatine back obviously it had not been discussed before then and we know from bob Iger's book as well that the direction is trilogy was not the way that george lucas expected it to go because he had a big falling out with disney over it so we know that, that there has been huge inconsistencies in this. However, I think in a record short podcast, that kind of sums up everything we've got to say. So I'm going to ask for final points here. And we start with you, Mera. Don't say yes and smile and laugh. Mera, could I have a final, final point, please? It's a good thing I love you, Alistair. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still smiling and pointing and waving my hands. Um, <laughs> I can confirm this. Uh, <laughs> well, final thoughts on our entire podcast today. Yes, please. Uh, that it's just lovely talking about Star Wars with you. And it's just an absolute joy that we can talk about all of this, likes and dislikes. I, um, I really didn't want Clone Wars to end. I don't think I'm alone in that. Um, I would love to have other Star Wars movies that are wholly unconnected um, and or maybe hinted to. I think there are so many things in so many galaxies out there um, of Star Wars stories that uh, are just waiting to be told and for us to watch and connect with. Um, so uh, I, I look forward to these possibilities of, of those stories. So this is all exciting that we're getting uh, hopefully Obi-Wan pretty soon um, in the works. And uh, well, and I know you don't, Ali, but. Um, no, I want it to happen. It's just going to be a long time away because of coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's a privilege. It's uh, I think we're in a really nice time to have all this available to us. Some chapters we don't like as much, but it's still Star Wars and all these things are are um, lovely can i confirm though everyone on this on this podcast has disney plus right oh yeah and yeah. apart from alex has anyone else bearing in mind we've now had the film for four days watch rise of skywalker all the way through no i've not even watched it all the way through to be fair i, I got about 15 minutes in before i switched off uh i haven't, it. I haven't started it I think I watched certain scenes. I don't think I watched it all. Because there were certain things, like there's that part where they're light speed skipping and there's that one point where you can kind of, I don't know, I'm sorry, I'm going off on a tangent. Um, it's, it's fine. Welcome to the team. Have you guys seen that? <laughs> You're feeling well. You can see the Millennium Falcon in two spots. 
Yeah, yeah it's like mirrored, isn't it? Yeah, going through. Yeah, that. they say it's like a mirror plant, but you can't see the TIE fighter. So I can't. Yeah. I think it was just a screw up in terms of CGI. Really. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Just go with it. And I saw it in the theaters, and I was like, I'm gonna have to go back and, and check that. But um, I lost my my point overall. But <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. That's what we do here. That's what we do. So, Dave, your final thought, please. Can I just go? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, Henry, you're back. <laughs> I hate you guys. Did you say that I loved you guys? I don't. Oh, no, I hate you. I hate you in the fashion. Um, I, I I'm looking forward to everything that's coming. I can't can't say I, I'm not, but we've months away before the next season of The Mandalorian, and for me, it's it's we've got to get through summer. <laughs> um, I know that there's novels coming, and we've had a nice contact from Delray Books today, telling us that we're on the list to receive um, to receive a, a e-publication of their latest novel coming out. So, so that's good. Um, so that's something to look forward to. But there's nothing quite like watching it on a screen. So I cannot wait for the next the next TV show or the next movie. It's the fact that it's years away from the next movie. Oh. Dave, you can go back and watch Resistance. I know you love that show. Yeah, yeah. I didn't dislike it. It was just... It was written for a very different audience to any of us. I think that's where it is. And I don't like that. And, and I've got two young lads who enjoy watching things that I... I watch on the periphery as I'm walking through the living room or after you and I just think what on earth are you watching that is utter tosh so I appreciate the fact that you've got you've got different types of tv shows that need to cater to different audiences and resistance is for a different audience than me and I appreciate that and there is some cool things in there especially with the regards to the ships um but yeah uh, resistance is resistance. Resistance is still better than the last shadow. We'll leave it there, Dave. We'll leave that one there. <laughs> What's your for me? Actually, I, I want to thank you. I forgot about I forgot about resistance uh, when it came out. It's I, on Disney I, Plus I now. It, it yes, the initial yep. and I just felt you know a lot like Dave that it was just really targeted towards a much younger audience. And I was like, maybe I'll get to it eventually. And is, is it is it completed? Have they wrapped it? Yeah. All yeah. Okay, two so seasons give it, give it a go so i have new star wars so i'm i'm set but i'm also reading uh, i'm reading the Chuck trilogy of books so i've got that going on too so there's there's always star wars to read and new things mary what were you saying then See the free free makers yeah, if you get to the end of Resistance, the first season, then you start like, oh, okay, all right. And then the second season is much better. So you just watch yeah. it to get the continuity and the whatever, and you'll be like, eh, okay, I watched it. So it didn't take, like Rebels, I didn't want, I mean, Rebels was okay, but I feel it really picked up speed at the end of season two. Yeah. So. Well, as long as I don't play two whole seasons. <laughs> Justin. So Dave, sorry, did you have a did you have a thought on that? As it well? was it was just a question to to Justin and to Mary, to be fair, about Freemakers. Have either of you seen the Freemaker Adventures? No. They're the Lego TV shows. 
Yeah. So the oh, two okay. seasons of that. I think they're on Disney Plus as well, aren't they? Yes, they are. So yeah, I was going to say. So if you want new content, that's on there. Um, and they are positioned around the original trilogy era. That's era, not era. Um, <laughs> you have, um, so um, I don't know what you're talking yeah. about, Dave. Yeah. So and and they're can good. Can you tell me how many? Uh, can you tell me how many miles that's in? they're again they're aimed at a slightly younger audience but to be fair for me i don't like they, they, they work for me the humor on them is 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 good it is entertaining okay cool and so alex you're on the other side this time my friend no, i know i know how's, um, it, how's it been for you this is the first time we've really ever had you not hosting how, how is it it's been great yeah less pressure What's the final thought? Uh, final thought for me. Um, I love the way Clone Wars ended. Disappointed that it has ended. Um, looking forward to watching more of the add-ons on Disney+. Plus. Um, looking forward to doing more YouTube videos, actually. We need to get some more stuff out on there. Um, but yeah, no, it's been it's been good. Uh, the past few days since May the 4th, obviously Friday was a great episode of Clone Wars, and then Monday, it's going to be weird tomorrow morning, I'm getting up and watching that episode of Clone Wars before work. Um, but um, <laughs> but hey-ho, there we go. But yeah, so that's for me. Love, love the Clone Wars, love the way it ended, gutted it has. Well, I'm really looking forward to this Mandalorian documentary series as well. As I yeah, said, I'm really enjoying the, the way that they make Star Wars. I find it yeah. fascinating. And it's a weekly drop as well, so... Yeah, so I think that's going to be good. Oh, is it not uh, just a one complete? There's multiple weeks, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. one a week. Cool. So serious. So that's yeah. really I did wonder why you'd only said you've seen the first episode. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Didn't so, binge. Yeah. Can't I, binge. I think does it drop tomorrow, Alex? I think. Yeah, it, Friday right? morning. Yeah, yeah. So um, okay. that's our new TV show to watch. It's taking the place of the Mandalorian. Yeah. So Alex, do you want to do the honors and round things up for us? As you yeah. Want? Yeah, we can get back to normal. What's your final thoughts? Hold on. <laughs> My final thought. I think. I think that Clone Wars gave me the Mortis arc, which I still think is some of the best Star Wars ever written. Dave and I did a whole podcast on it, and I will love that forever. And in fact, I take new meaning from that in a way, having seen that owl appear, owl appear in the last episode. And the way that has that connection to Ahsoka, has a connection to the sister, I find that all really, really interesting. I, I think that it's almost to me like Clone Wars ending like this is the end of a very volatile period for Star Wars in terms of fandom, in terms of everything to do with films. I feel like we will never see a Last Jedi again from Disney. I think they've learned their lessons from that. I think that the the people who run Star Wars seem to me like they're making better decisions now for the fans. Some people don't like it as fan service, whatever. But I feel like we are on a much better path than at any point since I've been on this podcast, which is two and a half years nearly. So I find that really, really exciting. I think it's sad. I feel like saying goodbye to an old friend with Clone Wars. I really do. But I've gone back and watched it so many times and I interpret it so differently. I'm watching Rebels at the minute. I am a few episodes into season three and I'm seeing it completely different to how I saw it first time. And I love that about Star Wars. I love going back and reinterpreting old material or connecting dots or finding ways that it works. So yeah, my final thought is really exciting time, but for different reasons than it has been before when we've been looking forward to a movie or something like that. Okay. 
And with that, we are the Jedi Council. Thank you very much for listening to us for the last hour and 45-ish minutes, give or take, uh, to talk about everything and anything Star Wars. Don't forget, you can find us on the, on the internet. We are the internet. Jeez, how old am I? Find <laughs> <laughs> it on the internet, boy. You can find me on dial-up, 56K. I know uh, all about the internet. <laughs> <laughs> we are on the World Wide Web. Um, we are www.the-jedi-council.com. You can follow us on Twitter, at the Jedi underscore council. You can follow us on Facebook, at TJC underscore the Jedi underscore council on Instagram. We are at the Jedi underscore council underscore TJC. You can like subscribe and follow us on YouTube. Yes, we have some videos dropping, uh, hopefully in the coming week. Um, don't forget to hit the, the little bell to get the notifications for that. If you want to subscribe to our podcast, we are on SoundCloud. We are on Spotify. We are on player.fm. We are on the iOS podcast app, Podbean. Um, all of our podcasts also are also hosted on our website as well. So don't forget, we are the Jedi Council. Thank you very much. We try to interact with you as much as we can through any of our social media channels. Finally, welcome Justin for your first show. And with that, may the force be with you. The force will be with you.